Like their cinematic namesake, the Nosferatu embody the grotesque, monstrous visage of a vampiric monster. Let the Torador and Ventru rub shoulders with the elite, or the Bruja conspire with the rabble, the Nosferatu find their ilk amongst the outcasts, the ones who have no place in human society either by choice or by exclusion. The embrace of the Nosferatu is a terrifying experience, and few but society's deviants have the fortitude and mentality to survive the change intact. The Nosferatu antediluvian, who is often referred to as Absimiliard, although interestingly enough not in the revised clan book where he is simply called Nosferatu, is said to have been a hunter of great skill. So talented was he, in fact, that he decided to chase Zilla, the youngest of Cain's childer. Absimiliard was no match for the vampire, however, and she scarred his face and smashed him against the rocks in the cave where he had faced her. As the hunter lay dying on the floor, she chose to embrace him. Some Nosferatu speculate that she saw in Absimiliard a means to gaining the upper hand against her brothers Enoch and Irad. She renamed her new child Nosferatu, and he soon became an even mightier hunter with the strength of the blood cursing through him. Even so, Nosferatu felt a great shame in being unable to slay his sire, and the scar on his face would be a constant reminder of his failure. He soon grew to hate her deeply enough that he wished her dead, and thus began the plan for her destruction. While other vampires dwelled in the first city, Nosferatu traveled the wild, embracing fellow hunters, teaching them his ways, and his hatred for the second generation. He forced his will on them through the blood bond, and they became loyal unto death, willing soldiers in his plot. But one of his childer was not bound to him. She was a beautiful woman that Nosferatu found bathing beside a spring. He ravaged her, drained her of blood, and gave her the embrace in a fit of passion. But before he could kill her, she had escaped, and even though he sent all his childer to find her, they failed, and she is believed to be the matriarch of the clan Nosferatu. Those other childer, the ones Absimiliard bound, are called the Niktuku. Utterly loyal to their sire, they wish to find and slay all the descendants of this errant child so that their antediluvian can present their ashes to Cain in order to atone for his crime. Or at least that's one version of the story, but we are getting ahead of ourselves. Nosferatu finally moved to kill his sire, but Zilla turned out to be much too strong, even for him and his Niktuku. He failed, and while she did not kill him, Cain in turn cursed him and all his descendants for his attempted matricide, making the once beautiful hunter and his brood twisted and hideous. Nosferatu was banished from the first city, and while he was gone, it was destroyed. It is not for certain whether Absimiliard's plot coincided with the other antediluvians' revolt against their sires, but it would seem that this happened before, as Zilla survived that, but not the subsequent uprising. Nosferatu went into Torpor following this, in the very same cave where he was first embraced. But he set his Niktuku to chase down and slay all of the errant bloodline in the hopes that this would please Cain enough to lift the curse he put upon him. Or perhaps he simply wished for revenge upon the one child of his who dared defy him. Clearly the Niktuku have yet to succeed, because no matter where in the world you look, you will find broods of Nosferatu. Even before there were irrigation systems, the sewer rats have dwelled close to water. It is said that they made their havens under running rivers, feeding off of the mortals who chose to live close by. Indeed, the earliest civilizations were all located by rivers, and thus Nosferatu have a long tradition of remaining close to the cities of the mortals. With the rise of Rome and its complex sewer system, the Nosferatu found that they suddenly had an even easier access to their prey than before, 
and they began to influence, in subtle ways, the politics of the kind. Quite often the goal was a simple one, such as expanding the sewer and drainage canals to make more room for the growing population of Nosferatu. With the Romans' love for bathhouses, this wasn't very difficult, and it also came with the added benefit of being able to spy upon many of the rich and influential who could afford this leisure, and the vampires who similarly mingled with these mortals. The European Middle Ages were a difficult time for the Nosferatu, as they no longer had a singular power base to influence. While the church established a stronger grip on the mortal sphere, the sewer rats had little pull there and saw their influence vanish rapidly. As kingdoms grew and flourished, the Nosferatu found it much harder to directly affect their leaders as others' more human-seeming kindred got to them first. At least until they realized what power they had over the mortals with their access to wells and irrigation. Even though Rome had fallen, the understanding that water disposal was a necessity had not been completely lost to the mortals and the vampires who set up haven in their cities. And the Nosferatu learned. When people fell sick due to wastewater mixing with clean water, they saw and took note, and when the princes decided to strike down upon the lepers or strangle their hold over domains of mortals, the lepers struck back by threatening the herds of the higher clans by poisoning their water supply. The Nosferatu kept a low profile for several reasons. One of them, of course, was that by not seeming too powerful, they could easily mask their influence from the kindred above. But another was the ever-present threat of being found by the Niktuku. These ancient Methuselah would not stop in their hunt for the matriarch's childer, and every now and then a Nosferatu would vanish mysteriously. They couldn't very well go talking about these to other vampires, lest they would use this knowledge against them, perhaps even striking up some kind of alliance. Thus, the oral traditions of the Nosferatu, not to mention the unvampiric closeness between clan members, came to be. Shreknet, the international computer network and database, found its origins in this tradition, created to enable fast, quick communications to other Nosferatu about Niktuku sightings. The massive database on kindred secrets was just a fortunate side effect. Still, for the most part, the Nosferatu were rarely considered to be of much worth or attention. In Europe. The African continent was always rife with the children of Absimiliard. The Dulamansa, or the Hidden Kings, were the shadow rulers of many African empires. While they never took center stage themselves, they hid in the courts of these powerful kings and queens, guiding trade and law-writing quite on par with the Ventru. Ghana, Manamutapa, Kanembornu, Mali, Songhai of Gao, Mogadishu, and Mombasa. These were all great empires subtly influenced by the Julamansa. By traveling along trade routes established by the burgeoning river civilizations, the Nosferatu and Gangrel, clans both prone to travel, slowly made their way south. The Nosferatu established themselves as, among other things, spiritual guides to the rulers of these lands who were much more appreciative of the supernatural than the skittish Europeans. Like the European Nosferatu, the Julamansa valued storytelling and hospitality for their kin, still well aware of the evil that lurked in the darkness and the danger they posed. Compared to the slow, lumbering change of Europe, the African empires thrived. Muslim merchants traveled far and wide in regular trade with India, Ceylon, and Malaysia, at times even China, though few vampires dared to set foot to the realm of the Wan Kwe. 
Although few remember these African kingdoms in the modern age, no doubt because the Gangrel and Nosferatu hold so little sway over the kindred discourse, at one point the Kanumbomu Empire had more territory than England's Queen Elizabeth, sent emissaries to Tripoli and Cairo, and exchanged gifts with the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire. For a thousand years the Mwana Mutapa Empire stood, all the while under the quiet, watchful stewardship of the Nosferatu, who never took more than they needed, nor ruled over the mortals like cattle. When the Europeans finally realized what treasures there were in Africa, they came not to trade, but to take. The European kindred, realizing there was no hierarchy, no prince to claim the domains, quickly set about taking these new lands for themselves. Just like how the Europeans pillaged these nations for their gold and ivory and to make slaves, so too did the Ventru, La Sombra, and even Camarilla Nosferatu claim domains they had no right to. The Southern American continent, likewise, saw its lands divided crudely between Spain and Portugal, and European kindreds followed greedily after, already claiming the titles of princes and elders on a continent they had never set foot on, despite the Nosferatu, Gangrel, and other kindred already there. The local Nosferatu were nearly wiped out as gold and silver was found in the caves they claimed as havens, their homes destroyed or invaded by greedy mortals, forcing them to live in squalor, no longer able to hide from those who would seek to destroy them. Many thanks to Hadi von Schlan from the bottom of my heart for her help with this episode. She is an awesome let's player and a vampire aficionado, and if you haven't already seen her amazing videos, I recommend you go check her out. Thanks Hadi! And in my next video, we will delve further into the modern history of the Nosferatu, but also discuss their role in the Sabbat in Camarilla, their traditions and their culture. I would also like to thank my ancillae, Edward Reed, Colin Gifford and Harry Wyckoff, as well as my loyal neonates for their continued support. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.